from the savory smelling studios of Univest at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another vampire chasing episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks You Bet Your Garden. The holiday, formerly known as Columbus Day, has long been considered the lucky day to plant garlic. But is it lucky in every area? I'm Mike McGrath, and on today's show, we'll discuss the hows and whens of garlic planting time in different regions. Plus, how to pick the proper plants for love and or personal protection. And of course, your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and generously grandiose gratifications. So stay right where you are, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you turning the calendar back a month right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. We got a lot to do today. Coming up in the question of the week, we're going to talk about the different times for garlic planting in different regions. Other people's lucky day may be your worst day. We're also going to speak to the author and illustrator of a brand new book called The Green Witch's Guide to Magical Plants and flowers. I have found it to be very enjoyable, and you will too. But like I said, that's a lot to get done. So we're going to hop, hop right to your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Rose, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. My little heart is just pounding being on the air with you. Ah, that's what all the girls say. I wish uh, <laughs> <I bet they do. laughs> and uh where is your heart pounding and don't say the left side of your chest uh where are you calling from <laughs> well actually i'm calling from union station in denver colorado but we live in um, nashville tennessee and that's where my problem lies or lays depending i mean i could never figure or that lays. out i know that I when i say it it'll be wrong you know that's so, uh, what's your problem in Nashville? Nobody's buying your songs? Oh, <laughs> I wish. Thank you for that. Uh, no, I have, let's see, seven rose bushes in three different places on my property. Two of them are miniature roses, and they came from Cleveland, Ohio. I've had those for 30 years. I have a climbing rose and four knockout roses. And they start out in the spring doing really well. They have lovely buds and green leaves. And as the spring goes on and it gets hotter, they become leafless. Although the miniature roses um, do continue to bloom, as do the knockout roses. But the climbing rose is, is just a wreck. And it looks like, I'm sure it's true, something is eating it. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that um, they've been neglected for all the years that I've had them. So I'm calling for advice. Well, you sent us a lot of pictures. And oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the jury finds you guilty of neglect. 
Um, one, yeah, thank you. <laughs> one of these poor roses seems to be growing out of a rock slide. Um, <laughs> you know, and... Yeah, well... One of them appears to be growing out of a tangle of other plants. And... Yes. One of them almost looks to be correctly planted. So you're you're batting what is that? Two hundred. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, I have cleaned. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of weeds, and the, there's the rose bed with the knockout roses gets a lot of weeds. And I do a big push of removing stuff in the spring, and then it gets too hot, and I neglect it. So right. that could be. And I moved a lot of plants, the climbing roses, against a fence, and it was surrounded by iris and daylilies, and I pulled all those out. And oh, okay. that might be the one that looks like it's growing out of a rock garden. <laughs> uh, oh, the other, yeah, I tried one year to put, because my son did this in two of his homes. He put in rocks instead of mulch. Oh, God. And it was lovely. Yeah, and but I full of weeds. Well, that, yes. Uh, hello. Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to take those rocks out. So, too, the miniature roses are in a bed that has rocks and I'm trying slowly to remove those, but it's annoying and uh, uh, time consuming. And yeah. I don't labor intensive. I, yeah. I've never understood the rock mulch concept, but that's um, a lot of things I don't understand anyway. So um, yes. one thing I want to mention before I forget it is the knockout roses. They yes. are highly subject to the rose mosaic virus when it looks oh. yeah when the plant starts producing new growth it doesn't look like rose growth it looks like okay. it looks like raspberry canes or wineberry canes and oh. it, if that happens 99% of quote garden experts will tell you the plant has to be destroyed I just prune it oh. off as soon as I see it, and I have kept uh, a French landscape rose alive for 10 years, um, which is mild pruning. So okay. some roses only bloom once. Uh, some roses will bloom three or four times in a season. My, clim right. my climbing rose really only blooms once. I have another oh. one. Yeah. But that might be just the variety I grew. But here's right. here's the secret to rose growing. Um, you clear the area under the rose. Uh, roses, yes. <laughs> roses in my in my garden, in my feelings, are very tough plants if you treat them properly. And that okay. that means airspace, <laughs> airflow. So you don't plant right. you don't plant anything too close to them. Um, you yes. get, get rid of any weeds, rocks, old car parts, whatever you got down there. And if right. you if you want to ensure a better looking plant once summer hits, two inches of compost over the surface of the soil, going out as far as you can. If you don't, okay. if you don't make compost, there's no shame. Um, you can buy very high quality bagged compost these days at independent garden centers. And whether okay. you use compost on all your plants 
or just roses, it is the roses that get the triage first. So right. you keep right. you keep that open. As soon as you see a leaf you don't like, a discolored leaf, pull it yeah. off. Get it. Two okay. reasons. First, you might be stopping the spread of disease or eliminating a pest. But more importantly, it's going to look like you're better at this game than you think because the neighbors aren't going to notice that your roses have like 30% fewer leaves. They're just going to notice there's right. no yellow leaves out there. Right. When you water, when you go into your dry period in Nashville, you water deeply once a week unless, you know, it gets ridiculous. Right. And then you can right. water twice a week. But I'm talking about letting a hose drip at the base of each plant for three to four hours. No. Oh, yeah. okay. It takes 20 minutes for a plant to kind of recognize that it's being watered. So wow. you know, watering for shorter periods of time is like a cheap tease. But, uh, you know, by the time they realize right. something's happening, it stopped. It's, yeah. And okay. if you have good airflow, you pull off discolored leaves, you got to mulch your compost, and you water correctly, I confidently predict that your roses will perform much better. Oh, I'm excited. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I've never thought of watering them. I don't know why. It just seems – I just shouldn't even mention it on the air or in, in – allowed but it's i will um there are certain plants like tomatoes and ranges that show you when they're dry they start to get droopy on hot days oh yes but roses mm -hmm. roses don't react that way they don't like yeah. wet feet they like to dry out between waterings which is why we do the once a week ideally you know, they get dry, right. they grow deeper roots, they get watered again, everybody's happy. But yeah, no, in, yeah. in this you got to pay attention and get a rain gauge. I mean, they're dirt cheap. And if you get an inch of water in a normal weather week, you don't have to do anything. Oh, okay. All right? Oh, yes, that's great. I'm, I, will, uh, I will send you pictures a year from now and uh, show you the progress I've made. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate your help. All Thank right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. You Bye. too. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody of my concerns about feeding birds with seed in the spring and summer. The high concentrations of birds and their poop in those feeders has been linked to a wicked eye disease and sometimes avian death. Now, winter is another story, but instead of seed, put out suet feeders. You'll see just as many birds without the risk of disease or attracting and feeding rats, mice, voles, shrews, raccoons, and deer with spilled bird seed. But don't go seeking that suet just yet because we'll be right back with an interview about choosing the proper plants for love and protection and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA.
Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden. From the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, we're going to discuss the proper time to plant garlic, which you may think you know, but you probably don't. But right now, we're going to welcome our very special guest, Chris Young, one of the co-authors of The Green Witch's Guide, to Magical Plants and Flowers. And it is uh, co-authored. Um, and we're going to start with the plant guy, Chris Young, who has a long history of growing plants. Now, Chris, when... Um, oh, I should mention that it's published by Skyhorse Publishing. Chris, when <laughs> did you uh, start... Did you start gardening first and then get into the lore? The green witch stuff? Yeah, yeah. I um, I started really when I was a little, little bitty kid. My grandpa in Indiana would take me out in their backyard, and they had kind of a big backyard. And he would he taught me all about plants and nature and gardening. And, and because I didn't know where flowers came from, um, when I was really little, and I'm talking like six years old or so, I would go out into the woods and get the plants that I liked and then plant them in my parents' yard and then tend them. So, which I don't recommend people doing now because that's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I didn't know. <laughs> so it's been lifelong. That's great. Now, when did you start to think about the, uh, historic is the, wrong word, traditional um, uses uh, for these plants mm -hmm. in things like love potions and protective spells? Well, um, when I was in my 20s, I had, a, I had a job in New York that was very stressful. And at the place where I worked, they had a kitchen. And in the kitchen was this woman named Irma, and it turned out she was a green witch. And I would come into her, <clears throat> I guess her office, her, the kitchen was her office. And I would, you know, be all upset about my boss. And she would say, oh, well, here, let's, let's burn some onion skins. It's kind of like saging or, you know, or, or she would give me little things to do. And it was just so grounding. It just really calmed me down. And I think that's the main thing about the practice in general is that it's all about it's kind of all about grounding and uh, centering yourself when you do all the stuff. Yeah. And so that's what I picked up in my 20s. And then when it came time when Susan and I were trying to figure out what to do book-wise, I said, well, <clears throat> we wanted to do a book about flowers and plants. And I said, well, I think it's got to be about, you know, magical plants and flowers. And, and then we decided it should all be about love. And then that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, because the it's... Uh, the book uh, reads very well um, and is very positive. Um, and I noticed that um, 
almost every spell or usage was about love and mm-hmm. or protection against evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, from bad mojo. <laughs> I, and I, it's, it's, I can't believe I can't believe you use that word because <laughs> really? a, a dear friend of mine from California has a little company called the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. Uh, her name is oh, wow. Cat Ironwood. And what she has done is reintroduced the old hoodoo um, oh, wow. medicines that African <clears throat> that African yeah, Americans yeah. used extensively. And you know, were sold in black establishments and in the back pages of mm-hmm. magazines designed for African Americans. That's so cool. And I noticed some crossover in um, what you're doing and what she did. Now, the her little curio company sells talismans and um, mm-hmm. you know certain herbs for chewing. And and they have hilarious names. Uh, I can't decide <laughs> if my favorite is Stop Gossip Oil. <laughs> or um, what's the other one? A court case bath. Before That's you have great. to go to court, you put these crystals in bath water. And, um, That's so great. I love it. Well, and yeah, then... I wish I knew more about Udu, actually. She um, she also wrote a, a very extensive book on history and the spells that people could create. And I mm-hmm. want to direct your attention to apples. Um, ah. I you really front loaded the book to to the two of the best things in it in in my <laughs> mind are apples and basil. Yeah, thank you. Those are those are two of my favorites. Basil is my big, big favorite, partially just because it's so delicious. <laughs> and but it's such a great plant. I'm going to yell it's at you about basil, plant. though. Be warned. Oh, when we get to basil, me. you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> but uh, in uh, in the old hoodoo, um, a lot of times you would write the name of a person on a slip of paper. And then do uh-huh. something involving plants or oils or burying it with different um, sacred mm-hmm, plants or things like that. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm going through your book and I'm looking at the apple binding spell. Oh, yeah, that's where you um, I can explain it if you'd like. No, please. It's, it's where you carve an apple kind of like you would do a pumpkin. And um, it's not easy. You have to be very careful because <laughs> yeah. they're so little. <laughs> they're so little, and you have to have a very delicate knife. But you carve it out. You hole out the center, and then you carve a heart in the side of the apple, like kind of like a pumpkin face. And then you put in your picture, and then you put in, or you put in, you know, you could. There's lots of ways you can do this, but you put in if there's someone specific that you've got a crush on. You put their um, their picture in there, and and another thing you could do is add um, things that you would like to have in that person, like qualities, and then you bury that. 
um, ideally at the base of a uh, of an apple tree, but it doesn't have to be as long as it's buried. <laughs> and as I'm looking at it now, you can also write their name on a slip of paper and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. put or it you in. Can and, do, or, both. or you could do, you could, there's like, the fun thing about these spells, we've kept them really simple so that you can really add to them or change them. Like um, you could also just put your picture in and then put the qualities and on, on another slip of paper, qualities of, and it could be anybody. It could be a friend that you're looking for. You want loyalty, put that down. Or if it's a, if it's an animal that you're hoping to, to uh, have and adopt, put the qualities that you would like in your animal. So it could be really for any kind of relationship. And uh, again, I mean, you give apples a lot of ink here, so to speak. And yeah, that was that was our starter. We literally went crazy on apples. Oh yeah, and uh, you know the history going back to the goddess Aphrodite. You know, mm-hmm. um, everything here is really interesting. And one thing I had never thought of, although I must have done it hundreds of times, is if you cut an apple the correct way, uh, the seeds form a pentagram. Yeah, if you cut it right in half. Uh, and sailors used to, back in the old times, used to use that as a guide also, as a compass. It's, uh, you know, it, it's amazing. Okay. Now, yeah, okay. now I got a beef with you about basil. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in trouble now, man. Um, oh, no. If you, according to you, if you according grow basil, at, at or near the entrance to your house, your true mm-hmm. love will come to you, right? Mm-hmm. It's also saying that you're available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this summer, through coincidence, because I hadn't seen the book yet, I had two great containers of basil. One was uh, a dwarf Greek basil, very pretty. Nice. And, and the other nice. was, you know, the typical sweet Italian basil. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. were both rectangular containers. And I have a lot of containers on my patio. The basil was closest to the road. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> and I didn't get any hits, man. But, okay, in my defense, I will say, when you put them there by your door, was your intention to, to draw love to you? Because intention is everything. Well, you know, actually, uh-huh. <laughs> um, actually, you do point that out several times in the book. Uh, there is, it doesn't just start with Apple. You do a lot of things on the equipment you might want to have. Um, and, you, mm-hmm. and you talk about, um, you know, being cognitive of what you're doing. Yeah, we call that, it was, our little term for that is magical mindfulness. Yeah. So... You know, when you're using a spatula or whatever, think of that as a wand. You know, think of think of how you're laying your equipment out when you're making a recipe or making a uh, a craft of some kind. Make it like a ritual. That's that's our big thing, and because that's so good for you yourself while you're doing it. So now I got to do this again next year, but I got to be yeah, thinking about year, it. You know. I got to have good vibes, you know. Good intentions. <laughs> hey, uh, one thing I, I noticed I, I didn't see. 
Um, the basil we're talking about here is annual, and there's like 400 different varieties. Oh yeah, there's of all basil. kinds. Yeah. But do you mention holy basil at any point? Well, any uh, when it comes to plants and spells, if you're doing a spell that that calls for basil, you can use any sort of basil. It, it doesn't matter the kind of basil, just that it is basil. Because one of the entries uh, revealed to me that you're familiar with um, Ayurvedic medicine. And, mm -hmm. you know, the holy basil plant is revered in that yes. discipline. And that's a perennial if you protect yeah, it from yeah. frost. Yeah. And there's a, um, an African basil that's a perennial, too, that's just beautiful. I'm just wondering kind of if, I should, if I should double down next year. You know. Yeah, maybe you try a lot of different people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I also want to mention is um, I was delighted. You know, it's not all about plants. You also bring up other magical traditions and one of the things, I forget what entry it was under, but you maybe it was in the beginning. You go off on a tangent about having a true broom, which is oh yeah, which is not the broom you use to sweep your floors, but a handmade broom. And yeah, that, that you can make yourself with just a stick and some herbs, and you use that symbolically to cleanse your area, your space, before you do uh, a craft or a spell or a ritual or a, a recipe. And am I correct? You uh, could also hang it on your front door, your bedroom mm -hmm, door for, for protection. protection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of yeah, the things I, I actually, like most about uh, the book is all the spells are about positive things. Yeah, we wanted it to be all positive, all good energy, all upbeat. Um, and we wanted it to be really simple. We didn't want it to be anything that would be um, overwhelming or, you know, would make people feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. Well, you and know, I, we I also it... have to add that it's a cool read. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very flattered by that. There <laughs> are, you. you know, there are books that get tedious after a while. But a book that's <laughs> arranged like yours is the perfect thing to read in long stretches, you know, put it oh, down, pick so it much. up. You even got the ribbon sewn into we the book. You even got the ribbon. You, you can't know how excited we were by the ribbon. <laughs> I, I think it's a perfect addition for this book. Mm -hmm. Now, I also want to mention, getting back to the broom, um, I, when I was a beat reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, um, mm -hmm. one of my beats was Chinatown. And mm. I would always do a big story for the Lunar New Year. And oh, yeah. the people celebrating, quote, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, had mm -hmm. a tradition of sweeping out the house from top to bottom, starting at the top. Mm -hmm. And then you couldn't pick up the dirt inside. You had to sweep it outside. Outside. And yeah. that got rid of any evil spirits that yeah, were in the house. That's a good one. And that's a good one. And you also at at a certain time of day had a complete new set of clothes ready. Socks, underwear, everything. And you so everything's fresh. Everything is fresh for the for the new year. 
Well, and, you know, another thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say another thing I like to do. This isn't part of the Chinese New Year, but on the New Year, or it can be a new month or a new week, depending on what's going on for you. But um, is blowing um, cinnamon in your doorway, just putting some on your hand and blowing it into your doorway is good luck. Yeah, you do a lot on cinnamon in this book. Mm-hmm. We like cinnamon. Cinnamon's one of our <laughs> – I think it's in – we're working on a, a Oracle deck now, and I think cinnamon might be in there. So um, we be- like before we leave the broom thing, um, <laughs> I was delighted to read that. Um, I used to be a volunteer at the Philadelphia Folk Festival. And every August, we, the volunteer committee, the security committee, grounds, we'd be there for like 10 days getting everything ready. Wow. And we always had a fabulous craft area. The crafters would fight um, to get a spot. And (laughs) one of the lucky people who was invited to return year after year sold handmade brooms that they made on the site. Oh, wow. That's cool. And somewhere back in the 70s, I bought it. Uh, I bought one for myself, and it it just luckily, because I had no intentions, now I realize i got to have good intentions. You're making me me work. Put it over you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not too hard, I hope. (laughs) But I've never used it. Yeah, put that over your doorway. I've never used it for sweeping. Mm-mm. And that's good. I've always liked looking at it. Yeah, they're beautiful. When I have one, I've actually found it on Etsy. I didn't make it myself. I was lazy, but I have um, my broom. Is uh, I got it on Etsy, and it's from the Ukraine, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's like this kind of gnarly wood handle, mm-hmm. and then you know, like the the wheat. Um, it, it's really nice wheat brush. Yeah. I I always have, I mean, I've had mine for decades, and I've always had a feeling. Um, I've Mm -hmm. always just enjoyed looking at it. Mm Mm-hmm. You sense the magic. Yeah, I I guess I must. Well, listen, we're going to have to kick you off soon so we can can talk to your Um, co-author. But before we do, um, is what's your favorite plant or spell that we haven't discussed? Ooh, that we haven't discussed. Um, I really love the, um, the magnolia jar. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a little jar that you put together. I can't remember the ingredients right off the top of my head, but I love that. And I love, there's a, um, fever few sachet that you make with rosemary um, roses, um, pink quartz, uh, and fever few, and you put it in, oh, 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 I'm sorry, one more thing, acorns, and you carry that in a little bag <clears throat> with you with the intention that it will attract love. That's one of my favorites. I mean, so and simple. that's almost pure hoodoo. The crossover in these disciplines mm-hmm. is, is amazing, <clears throat> and, um, you know, because well, all these people were the healers of the communities, you, you know, in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you when you look at these, I have a collection of the um, 
the sachets and the bottles and the herbs and uh -huh. stuff. And it makes you smile just to look at it. It's pretty. Yeah. I mean, that's really, that's, that's part of the whole thing is that it's just so calming um, just to have them and to make them and to be around them. I think that's, um, that's a really important factor in magic. And the Magnolia jar, do you remember what it was for, so to speak? It was to, it's to attract love. You put, I'm, I kind of remember there's some sugar for sweetness in there. Mm -hmm. There's the magnolia, a little magnolia branch that attracts love. I'm pretty sure there's some lavender and roses in there because those are two big love attracting mm -hmm. plants. And then you seal it up with a pink ribbon and you put it, you put it away in like a dark spot and uh, keep it till it works. <laughs> well, and then when it works when it works when you when you get that relationship um then you return everything back to nature that's the trick that's right i remember reading that now and i thought that was so you know i'm gonna say sweet because you're you, yeah it it's like composting. You've closed the circle. You haven't wasted right. anything. You didn't waste it. You gave it back to nature. Yeah. I like that. Well, you know, I could I could keep you on the air until they take away my pass key to get into the building. <laughs> um, I would love that. <laughs> but I I, I want to get on to Susan. And okay. um it's a wonderful book. It is a happy book. I can't thank you enough for saying that. Thank you. And it's called The Green Witch's Guide to Magical Plants and Flowers with Spells for Love and Protection. And you people out there, you're going to love it. Yay. So, Chris Young, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. You take care now. Mine too. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and warn everybody out there with a cool season lawn. That means bluegrass and or fescue. The time is running out for you to overseed bare spots and cure compacted soil, one of the biggest causes of lousy looking lawns, with a core aeration that pulls plugs out of the dirt and allows air and water to better reach the root system. But don't go pulling any plugs just yet, because we'll be back to explain why the right time to plant garlic depends on where you live. I'm Garlic Mad Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and now it is my great pleasure to continue discussing my new favorite book, The Green Witch's Guide to Magical Plants and Flowers. Uh, we just finished talking to Chris Young, and, and now we're bringing on his co-author, Susan Ottaviano. Um, Susan, uh, first, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. 
Glad to be here. Hello. How are you doing? I'm just ducky. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, now, you did all of the illustrations um, for the book, and you actually wrote the recipes. Um, yes, I did. So I'm an artist, but I'm also a food stylist. So I do food for magazines and TV, and um, and I develop recipes. So this was a joy to work on as well. Right, because it's not a book that just names plants and what they're good for. Um, you go into the ancient the magical tradition. properties of of these plants. Yeah, uh, yes. and of and we have mixing them and utilize them and. Um, Yes, you know we have recipes, spells and recipes, and and um, crafts and all sorts of things that you can do with these flowers and plants. As as I discussed with Chris, one of my favorites was the love apple, for lack of a better word, where you carve it like a pumpkin and put in a photo of the person you want to have fall in love with you, or their name on a slip of paper, yeah. and you bury it. Because that reminded me of so many other magical traditions that utilize, you know, the same basic concepts. So totally, yeah. It, it's it, it, there are so many crossovers, and uh, as Chris pointed out, well, in all of these disciplines, these people were the healers, and yes. you know, the spiritual head of their community. So. What, how did you find these recipes? Did you create them? Did you rediscover them? A little bit of both. Um, we, we chose the 26 um, flowers and plants that we wanted to use for the, the, um, the book. And then we, um, some of them are actually poisonous, so you wouldn't want to eat them. But the ones that are edible, we decided that we wanted to move in. Our, our book sort of developed very organically. So we were just going to do an illustration of each, and then the book sort of grew and grew, and then we started to kind of come up with the idea of doing recipes. And um, some of them are my own recipes, and some of them are new things. But um, uh, it uh, uh, was wonderful to work on. So what are uh, – I like your illustra – I love the book. I love your illustrations. You. The recipes – are a ton of fun. And again, I hate to repeat myself, but as I spoke with Chris, um, it's a really happy book. This is all it about is. positive magic yes. and fun stuff. So, And also with our, um, we have this, this um, we talk about magical mindfulness. And it's really about um, mindfulness and, and, and um, taking the time out to really enjoy a cup of and um, and creating rituals and things that um, manifest more love in your life and 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 just calm you and um, focus you. Uh, I Chris stressed that, and um, I kind of playfully yelled at him that the basil didn't work. That I had two giant containers of basil right in front of my house and. Nobody came to the door saying they were falling in love with me. <laughs> and he goes, I'm sorry he, about that. Oh, no, no. It's supposed to be fun. Um, and he goes, well, were you thinking of that when you put the containers exactly. there? Exactly. Did you set your intention? That Manifesting is the most important part. 
and that's what um, we're trying to encourage. Right. So it's like baseball. There's always next year, right? You know. Yes. And setting your intentions um, about love or about a new job or a new project um, is 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 the way to inspire you to move on. Oh yeah, Um, you know some of these things happen as you say organically, Um, but I like the idea of giving your mind this concept of having an edge, really wanting this thing, or really wanting to feel more protected. Because again, the spells are love and protection, right? Yes. I mean, there's a few other things, but the book is based on love. We sort of use that as our focus. Um, But uh, all the plants have other properties as well. Yeah, gee, that won't sell, will it? Trying to get somebody to fall in love with you. Oof. I, but we're also talk about not just romantic love, self love, mm-hmm. um, friendship, um, family love, uh, and 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 again, the self love part is very important because then you can, if you feel good about yourself, you can take better care of others. That's another thing we're talking about with our recipes is cooking with love. What does that mean, and why is that something people always said? If you spend the time to grow the grow the vegetables, you take the time with them. You, you you set your intentions. You will. Um, you know what that feels like. Oh That's God! Why, yes. You know people love grandma's cooking. Yeah, my tomato sauce has three ingredients: the tomatoes I've grown, the garlic I've grown, and the basil I grow. Wow! And I actually do now that you mention it. I think about that as yeah. um, you know getting it all together and ready. And I also say that if and the you... ritual of putting all these things together, you know, um, I think that in many cultures, like a Japanese tea ceremony, mm-hmm. there's all different um, cu- cultures where in every culture there's rituals that that are done to um, calm the mind and focus on the person. So tell me about, um, you know, one of your favorite recipes and how it came together, whether you crafted it or you combined a couple of traditional spells and recipes, um, and maybe the one you had the most fun with. Well, I think that our our our, um, spell, our recipes are very simple, and we wanted to start with this book about really not being intimidating and, and putting people off just trying things. And, and we also encourage people to improvise and to, um, to substitute items. If you don't have it there, if you don't have um, pine nuts for the, the, um, the pesto, use walnuts or vice versa. Or, you know, you don't have lemon, try lime. You know, you never know all the happy accidents. Were, all the greatest things were created through happy accidents. But I guess I would say my favorite was the love meal at the end of the book that I created from start to finish with um, the pomegranate punch which I'm going to be making this week. We're do- Next week, we're doing a book signing in um, Milford, Pennsylvania. Oh, that's right. The Pomegranate right. Punch. That's right. Yeah, um, we want to talk about that. Yeah, um, we're taping this in advance because we're a national show, so we have to do that. Um, and the podcast goes up on Friday afternoon, evening, and the show goes national on Saturday. 
and Saturday the 30th is when you're going to be signing in Milford, PA, right? Yes, I'm going to be at Earthly Treasures in Milford, PA on Saw Kill Avenue. And um, a bunch of my friends have places up near Holly and um, uh, Milford, and uh, that they set up this book signing for me. That's what I'm doing um, in your neck of the woods. And that's... But we're excited about it, and I'm going to have lots of treats there. I'm going to have the pomegranate punch in our book, and I'm also going to have a lot of seasonal things. Um, you know, we're celebrating the apple right now, and we have a bunch of little snacks and recipes with apples and a few other things. A few, um, uh, we're going to have some jasmine bath salts there, and I'm going to have a love potion, things for people to try. <laughs> with only the best intent. Yes. And that's going yes. to be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, it is. So, so please stop by and have a glass of pomegranate punch with us. Right, exactly. I wish I could have given you uh, a week extra notice, so to speak. But, um, you know, at least it's enough time for people who are interested to get there. Yes. And thank I'd you for bringing you, it right? up because I totally forgot. <laughs> oh, no problem. But hey. the pomegranate punch has been great. We've had that at all of our book signings. And then I'm also making a special vodka, a, a cranberry vodka, uh, special for the season. Um, it's uh, a, little shots of that with it's like a cranberry lemon mixture with a little sugar. And it's a great little um, a conversation starter. <laughs> 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 yeah, especially after the third one. Um, <laughs> oh. You know what? I'm blanking out, and I realized the next question I wanted to ask you is, you know, I think I understand mindfulness. And when you're doing yeah. something like this, um, you know, it, it's natural to focus. But what about people like me yeah. who are losing it all? What, what can I blend up? Uh, to stay well, I guess I'm trying to teach people to be more creative because the creativity helps me in so many ways and to look at things in a different way, to notice the small things and to enjoy a ritual like making a cup of tea or taking a bath or looking at a leaf or I think you're doing it. If you're a gardener, you're doing it. You're weeding, you're um, doing all these kind of things and, and um, kind of calming your mind. One of the best people who ever think? walked the planet was my old friend, uh, Dr. Jim Duke, who studied medicinal properties of plants for the yep. USDA for like 30 years. And I remember him once telling me um, that sage will not make you sage, but that rosemary will. It's the herb of memory. Yes. Remembrance. So, you know, I got to grow more rosemary. Rosemary is great for so many things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, rosemary is great. We have rosemary in our next project, so I'm working on a recipe uh, for that. Our, re our book is vegan, so um, it, it gets a little creative with the, um, you know, the baking. But I'm working up potato and rose potatoes and rosemary go together. Oh, um, good like Lord. Business, so. Bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, there is... And rosemary is great with beans as well, as like a white bean. Yeah. Right now you have me craving. Uh, I may go home and harvest some potatoes and uh, 
you know, make a nice rosemary potato dish for dinner tonight. That sounds great. What are potatoes? <laughs> I mean, I know what potatoes are good for, but what are potatoes good for? Are they in here? No, potatoes are not in here. Not yet. Ro- well, rosemary. We were talking about rosemary. Yeah, yeah. That's uh... potatoes have. Um, I'm sure, sure there's. Uh, I'm not sure if there's. Let me look that up in my little handy book that I have here. Maybe they're potatoes. Like, uh, not. You know, it doesn't come to mind as the most. It's not the most romantic thing you can eat. You know, that's for sure. No, but let me see if it, it comes up here. Um, sorry. Just so, no, no, that's okay. My... So, you know, you and Chris both stressed mindfulness um, and being in the moment when you're doing this, actively thinking about yes. it. Um, and, you know, I read that in the book, but it was so much better to hear you guys talk about it. I understand it. Here, I just saw potato uh, carry in your pocket can cure toothaches and guards against rheumatic um, warts (laughs) and gout. (laughs) Against uh, contracting a cold, potatoes should be carried in the pocket or purse all winter. (laughs) I don't know too much about potatoes, but. Oh, I love to grow potatoes. Um, Yeah. People who've never grown potatoes have never tasted one. Because, yeah, right. you know, they, they are a storage crop. And by yeah. the time, even if you get them relatively fresh at a farmer's market, uh, they've lost a lot of their sugar. It's converted to starch. Yeah. Whereby one of my favorite things in the fall, right around this time of year, is to pull up a, a potato plant, have a bucket of clean water, pick out the one I like the best, rinse it, and then bite into it raw. It's like sweet wow. corn. Wow. Well, it's amazing, you know, what the difference between what things can taste like, you know? Yeah. And, you know. Peruvian potatoes are amazing. Yeah. Um, um, oh, there's an, a relatively new variety out there. I think it's called red gold, rose gold. And mm-hmm. it's a red potato with um, Yukon gold flesh inside. Wow. And it is, it's gorgeous, which you don't say wow. a lot about a lot of potatoes. <laughs> All right, listen, um, I'm going to get yelled at for taking so much time with you too, but I don't care. It's a great book. <laughs> it's The Green Witch's Guide to Magical Plants and Flowers by Chris Young. And Susan Otaviano, who Otaviano, helped. but you've done very good. You've done a very good job. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I try. Thank God I don't use Latin names for plants on this show. <laughs> All right. Well, Susan, well, thank um, you so much. Good luck at your event in Millville on the thirtieth at three p.m. And um, I look for. I'm happy to hear that you're. Already working on another book with Chris. We're excited. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, thank you so much. I love the book. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, kids, you know what time it is. No, it's not howdy-doody time. It's time for the question of the week. 
which we are calling the great garlic debate, to plant or when to plant? That is the real question. When I first started growing garlic some three decades ago, I followed the long-established rule to plant my cloves on what is now called Indigenous Peoples Day early in October. A few years after that, the late Frank Pollock, who had a large garlic farm up in the Poconos, told me that he and his loosely affiliated Pocono Garlic Group had begun planting in September instead. It's only common sense, he assured me. Frosts and freezes start a lot earlier in the fall up here than they do in your garden, and we get much bigger bulbs by giving the plants that extra month to grow a bigger root system, which got me thinking. Regions south of me could probably wait for that supposedly lucky day, but anybody north of me should plant early, which reminded me of a speaking gig early in my career. I was talking about garlic and repeated the old line that you should plant on what was then called Columbus Day. An older Italian gentleman sitting up front muttered something under his breath. I don't know exactly what he said, but his wife quickly made the sign of the cross. I asked, did I say something wrong? Having only been in the country for about 70 years, he spoke no English. But his daughter was sitting right next to him, so he whispered in her ear. My father says to plant your garlic on the first day kids go back to school and harvest on the last day of school. I thought that the first day of school was great advice, but that the second half was way too early for my little microclimate, where the bulbs are typically the perfect size right around the 4th of July. I announced that I loved the first day of school part and would now make it my recommendation. I would have addressed the issue of his harvest time, but his wife already had her rosary beads out and was quietly whispering Hail Marys. I'm pretty sure that I was giving that talk in the greater D.C. area, where the garlic would be ready to harvest earlier than in my Pennsylvania garden. So maybe even that advice was sound for a warmer growing zone. I had a bed available, so my first run went in the ground on September 16th of this year. I know the exact date because my intern, Sean, took pictures of me with the bed for the show's Facebook page, and they were posted later that day. And that is when the cloves hit the fan. Deborah posted that she wasn't going to plant until October and mentioned that she was in USDA Zone 5B in northern Michigan. That's significantly colder than me, so I felt that she should have had her garlic in the ground already to ensure good root growth before her first hard freeze. Carol, as with many others, was adamant. Not until October, she posted. KZ was just as adamant, but was going to wait until between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, neither revealed their location. Carla posted that she is, quote, west of Philadelphia, which is not a lot of help, as that could mean anywhere between the Philly suburbs and Pittsburgh, and always waits until November. Jeff posted, isn't it too early? I'm just outside Grand Rapids, and I usually plant close to Halloween. Deb in Northern Illinois posted that she always waits until mid to late October. 
There were a lot more such comments, but you get the idea. I found it interesting that virtually everyone who revealed their location was north of me and espoused planting, in my opinion, way too late. It's real simple. The further north you live, the more you should be planting, quote, early. That elderly Italian gentleman had it right. Plant when the kids go back to school. There is no disadvantage to planting your cloves in September, but you could get a miserable harvest if you garden in a low USDA zone and you wait until your carved Halloween pumpkins start to look like the dog's breakfast. I offer as evidence this final Facebook exchange. Jeff of New Miller Farms, an hour south of Grand Rapids, posted that they planted in September last year and had their best harvest ever. In return, a different Jeff posted that he harvested the smallest bulbs he had ever grown from last season's planting and is now a fan of September. Yeah, I realize that this show is going to air at the end of September, so let's keep it simple. If you're north of a line extending west from Philadelphia, don't delay. And think about being ready to plant when you see your first school bus next year. Oh, an unnamed worker at, quote, Friends Farm in Central PA posted, waiting until late October, the allium leaf miner is still a threat this time of year. Well, you know, not according to the Penn State Extension Service, which coincidentally is located in the exact same part of Pennsylvania. They explain that the female lays her eggs on garlic leaves in the spring, so there's no reason to delay planting now. And finally, a quick mention that the opposite is true for spring bulbs. They have a very unique growing habit, and in most regions they should be planted between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Plant spring bulbs too early, and they might not flower in the spring. Well, that sure was an interesting look at something you thought you knew but probably didn't. Now, wasn't it? Luckily for yous, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetchagarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to confiscate my cloves. If I don't get out of this studio, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444. Or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse, teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Please include your location. You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of previous shows, informative details about my upcoming live events, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is an hour-long public radio show and podcast produced and delivered to you every week from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. 
Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by the legendary William Castle on a dark and stormy night. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and ponder lots of pretty pictures at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Teresa Radke. Our audio editor is the always lovely Jonas Bowen. Our harassed and harried director of direction is Javier Diaz. Zach the Tack Wisniewski is in the house, or he's in the studio, or he's somewhere around here, as is our always magnificent mallard, Ducky the Dancing Duck. Our beloved and beleaguered CEO is Tim Fallon. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and if the folks on the second floor keep playing golf instead of listening to the show, I'll see you again next week.